Hello and welcome to our midweek service today. God seems to be sending one word to us at the moment, over and over. That word is obedience. It came through in our Sunday series in Luke. It was magnified at the beginning of the Archbishop's call to pray for the nation in the pandemic. I was drawn to the passage in Nehemiah where the lead character of that book um, hears about the state of the city of Jerusalem and its broken down walls. His response was to pray, not just for himself, but to repent for his nation and the generations before. Passages came up in time from Deuteronomy 4. Now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I am about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep command of the Lord your God that I give you. And then in Deuteronomy 7, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. But those who hate him he will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay to their faces those who hate him. Therefore take care to follow the commands decrees and laws I give you today. What is plain is that God demands obedience. He requires us to follow his commands. Jesus said the same, go, make disciples, teach them all I have commanded. Jesus himself gave dozens of commands. The Father gave many more through Moses through the prophets and through the law. All for us to obey and live the life that he wants us to have in this world and the next. Today's readings continue this theme. Jesus is being asked by, those, by whose authority he drives out demons, as we see in the picture on the right. In essence, who are you obeying when you do these things? He is accused of obeying the command of Beelzebul, the devil or Satan, to drive out the demons of Satan. This makes no sense, he says, for why would the evil one drive out evil? In verse 20, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. No, Jesus is saying, my authority comes from goodness, the God who is your father. And through this, you get a glimpse of the kingdom that is to come. Jeremiah, in our first passage, similarly highlights this choice. With God or against him, there is no middle way. I gave them this command, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, that it may go well with you. But they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil hearts. 
the nation of Israel is charged with going backwards. Jeremiah is to bring to them one particular ailment that leads to this rebellion. In verse 28, this is the nation that has not obeyed the Lord its God or responded to correction. Truth has perished. It has vanished from their lips. There is one truth, not my truth or your truth, but one truth, and that is God's truth. For in his son he was able to claim, I am the way, the truth and the life. This is not a popular notion these days, but it is a biblical one. I can say in many sermons, obey God. But how do we do that? What does disobeying God look like? In asking that question, what I started to see was places where disobedience to God meant someone was obeying something else. Often our rebellion is to obey an idea that is contrary to God. That idea is therefore a lie. And I have three examples. Firstly, we're going to look at Romeo and Juliet. Secondly, the Slavic peoples during the war. And thirdly, Black and Britain, a book I'm currently reading. So firstly, why Romeo and Juliet? Well, my son is studying this play at school. The story of the star-crossed lovers. The reason they cannot be together is that the two families, Juliet's Capulets and Romeo's Montagues, are in a continuing feud. Each family hates the other because, well, they just have for living memory. The idea of the evil Capulet stroke Montague in the hearts of the Montague stroke Capulet, Capulet delete as appropriate leads them to neither love their enemy nor love their neighbour as themselves, as Jesus had commanded. Instead, they fight and dismiss, regardless of the actual person before them. Based on that lie, the idea that anyone of the other clan is instantly dishonourable and evil, the play ends tragically and reconciliation ensues. The lie is dispelled, yet it is too late for Juliet and Romeo who bring this about. Disobedience to God, wrought of a lie, of a distorted idea. Further, my son has been studying the history of Germany from 1919 to 1933, and this led us to look at the treatment of Jews and other minorities in Germany and across Europe. Hitler sold a lie. His distrust of Jews and attempted genocide is well known. He also believed that one ought to cast the utmost doubt on the state-building power of the Slavs. His policy of Lebensraum, or making room to live for pure-born Germans by conquering East, did not contemplate bringing the Slavs of Poland, Yugoslavia 
and the Soviet Union and others into the greater Germany. The reason was that he considered them untermenschen or subhuman, inferior in every way to the Aryan race. Obedience to this idea, this lie, led to six years of war, atrocities uncounted and millions of dead. Now this idea of subhumanity, humanity that is inferior, stains the history of this great nation too. In his book, also a BBC series which is available on iPlayer, uh, the book Black and British, David Olusogo prefaces by weaving through British history, identifying various points where black people, invisible in inherited history, were only not only present but often pivotal. He spends quite a few pages describing in some detail Bunce Island. You will find this today in Sierra Leone. It was a slave compound and fortress. The local traders would capture slaves and take them to Bunce Island where the ocean-going ships would dock and load their cargo to transport them to the Americas and Caribbean. The opulence of the traders' quarters, cheek by jowl with the compound, is stark. Detail upon detail in the book's preface eloquently tells of the degradation of these newly caught human beings, shown off to the traders to get maximum price. The men, that is, the women were taken to the rape house. It's a shocking story. I look forward to hearing the positive story of how Britain, Africa and the Caribbean have been intertwined throughout history. A history told not by the oppressor and therefore a largely white history, but for all. I need to be prepared for further revelations that I won't want to hear or will make me uncomfortable. And they should. At my previous church, we followed a series on ethical dilemmas and Christian responses to them. Led by John Stott's marvellous book on this subject, I preached on the passage regarding race. I had known that we had a history of slavery. I had known that it had been abolished through the work of Christian men in the 19th century. I was not prepared for the attempts to justify it. A slave is a person who is the property of another, whose will is subject to the owner's authority and whose labour is obtained through coercion. Regarded as movable property, slaves had their elementary rights removed. Defences of this through the ages of this practice included necessity. There was insufficient local labour in the colonies to fuel the Industrial Revolution demand for their goods racial superiority, more of this in a moment, but just the belief that uh, these slaves deserved no better. Biblical permission caused the slavery in the Bible. Human benefit. African savages were taken to American civilization, some would argue, or even a missionary opportunity that these pagan Africans could be brought to Christianity. Further intellectual arguments to justify these excuses 
included that Africans were dissimilar and so were in fact a different species, not human at all, more like an animal. And black people were like children, incapable of adult thought or maturity. This was argued as late as 1918. These are lies. These excuses are lies. Scientific theories are lies. They are distorted ideas and obedience to them led to great evil. And that continues today in our structures and assumptions. Black people today can tell me that they are treated as inferiors in small and larger, more blatant ways. Many strides have been made towards more cultural Britain and world but the lies and excuses that lead to oppression continue. And this has been highlighted again by recent comments that a dark skin in the royal family may have been worthy of comment and concern. This week, our PCC have made the first steps towards an intention to not only talk about diversity, but also to search for and try to eradicate the barriers that might stop us having every opportunity to bless one another. Some barriers will be obvious, but most will be unconscious. PCC agreed to make this a standing item at every meeting so that we do not lose sight of it, that we persevere and move towards the goal that Christchurch can be truly diverse where everyone has opportunities to bless others and to be blessed, whoever we are. As Paul wrote to the Galatians, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3, verse 26 to 29. Paul did not hold truck with hierarchies or superior stroke inferior relationships. When we come to faith, we become a child of God one equal part of the body of Christ, we become an image bearer, all of us. Paul addresses imbalance and hierarchies in many places. Children obey your parents. Fathers do not exasperate your children. Wives respect your husbands. Husbands love your wives. Obey the authorities. Authorities be subject to God. Even where society put in hierarchies, Paul subjected them to Christ and made all equal. He is particularly scathing for the Corinthian church who held table to share the Lord's Supper in a way, in verse 17 of chapter 11, that did more harm than good. And their disobedience? The rich would have private suppers indoors and the poor, the slaves, the menial workers would go hungry in the courtyard. Some despised the church of God by humiliating those who had nothing, it says in verse 22. So the idea of superiority is a lie. 
It is human to want to be superior to someone else, but that is a deception, it is a temptation, it is disobedience. We are called to obey. So what idea are you following? Is it God's idea, yours or somebody else's? Anything not of God is not truth. And therein lies the path to disobedience, to follow a lie. Ask God for his truth today and obey. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word that you keep bringing to us, which is to obey your word, your will. Lord, I pray that you will help us. You will draw us to yourself. You will open our ears to what it is that you have to share and have to say to us. And I pray that we can both hear and by your spirit, put that into place. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.